Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to Never Heard of It, a Night Shift Radio original. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review if you're so inclined. For more information, visit nightshiftradio.com. Yesterday was a really huge moment in my life. Technically Friday was, but yesterday was when I was actually able to. So Friday, as as of when we were recording this, which we're now a little bit on the early side, so people are going to be like, that happened like three weeks ago. Yeah, right. (laughs) Right. Um, But as of the day we're recording this, two days prior, uh, Apple TV Plus released Foundation. Yeah. Which, uh, as I have been saying now for, God, it's been like three years since they announced it, uh, Foundation would be the thing that made me pay for Apple TV Plus. Uh, And that is true. I have now signed up. uh, And... This is a moment. Yesterday, when I sat down to watch episode one, but the first two episodes dropped, so I watched them both back to back. Uh, this is a moment that I have been waiting for almost literally my entire life. Now, I don't remember what made me pick up uh, as a mom for the first time as a kid. I mean, I, I read a lot of sci-fi and whatnot, but like these are you know pretty chunky sci-fi novels that I was picking up in. Like middle school, I I was weird kid reading way above the level that I should have been, and that's not that sounds like a humble brag. Uh, it's more just I don't know wh- how or why. I also don't know how I got away with it with how weird my dad was about various uh, media right. consumption. It was probably um, just like, well, it's a book. I don't know. Yeah, it yeah. I mean, I, I was reading some some crazy shit when I was when I was younger, uh, but I remember checking out copies of the Foundation series. Uh, if not from my school library, definitely from the, uh, the, the local public library in Fulton. Uh, and specifically, I remember like going into the larger storylines. And Asimov created this absolutely massive, massive story uh, that spans tens of thousands of years of human history, starting with, you know, our kind of near future-ish on Earth when robots are developed and uh, like the planet gets overcrowded and... Uh, humans go out into space and colonize nearby planets, and then that creates a rift between those people and the ones from Earth, and then eventually spreads out amongst the whole galaxy, creates this massive empire, and Foundation picks up there in a very decline and fall of the Roman Empire type storyline. <clears throat> I have read the entire story. I've read it a couple times. I love it. Um, you know, Ellen can attest to the, the one and only time that I found almost I, like maybe one or two out of like 12 books uh, all in print at the same time, which never fucking happened in my entire life. Uh, <laughs> I found them all at uh, was it City Lights Bookstore in San Francisco once. I was drunk. Uh, we, we had gone out <laughs> eating and I had had some, some beers and I was wandering through a bookstore just as giddy as could be with a stack of books like this that I was balancing with my chin uh and ellen came around a corner and saw me with the biggest fucking smile on my face and she's like what is wrong with you um (laughs) all that to say like it has literally been decades in the making that i have been waiting to see someone do a a a version of this storyline and to do it justice and holy shit is it gorgeous
Oh, is it? Uh, I so I got rid of uh, Apple TV Plus because I found I was never watching it, which we, we talked about yeah. in that I think in that same episode. Alan's out there um, watching Ted Lasso right now. <laughs> that's another one of those shows. Everyone's like, "Oh my god, you have to watch Ted Lasso," and I'm like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't like sports though." And they're like, "It's not about the sports though. Like yeah, it's kind it's, of like um, Arliss. Yeah, like the, it's not about the sports." The impression that I get from everyone talking about it is that it's basically just the most wholesome TV show uh, going right now, especially now that Kim's Convenience has been canceled. I know, fucking. But yeah, but yeah. So that that I mean that was not with like because because Simi Liu got uh, Shang-Chi is not why Kim's Convenience Service canceled. But yeah, it's you know I I finally paid for the service specifically to watch Foundation. I will probably watch more of the stuff. I'm excited to be able to watch the Charlie Brown specials uh, during the holiday season. That's exciting. Um, But. It's it's visually stunning. The cast is incredible. I'm still wrapping my head around the changes that they've made, and so far, I don't think I've seen one that I think like the that I think uh, deters from the story at all. Um, if anything, I think they just do like an even better visual world building uh, mm-hmm. by the way that they've changed some things, like the you know the emperor being the like three genetic clones, brother day, brother dawn, brother dusk uh, thing. Like that's really fascinating. Um, you know, that thing that doesn't, that I don't remember happening in the book. It has been a while since I read it, but that's a pretty big plot point to miss, you know, stuff like that. The casting is incredible. Um, you know, whether or not he explicitly states it, you can pretty, pretty comfortably read into Asimov's works that the, the majority of his characters are, uh, cis and white and majority male. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, that for, for good or bad, that's you know, the the time period that he was writing the the audience that he was he thought he was writing for, uh, yeah. and just kind of the and who he is too. Yeah, I mean, it's who he hard is. to write a not a person not you. <laughs> yeah, and it's not even that like his, his like his writing is by no means the the worst example of uh, the the lack of diversity or the like rampant misogyny that existed in that era of uh, of sci fi. Well, I still does again in this era. Uh, but he, you know, it could be better. You know, Asimov is good, but it could be better. But it could be better. Uh, and the, the showrunners, uh, the, the casting director, whoever is is really like making these decisions for this show, has done a really great job to the point where, like, you know, one of the first like big characters that you meet, uh, you know, a few chapters into the the first book, um, is very much the like rough and gritty like white guy action hero uh, sort of character that you would picture from like a pulp sci-fi. They made that person a black woman. And I'm so stoked to to see oh, that and cool. to see like just the little bit of uh, introduction we get to that character. I know she's going to nail it. And that just makes me really excited to see because uh, it's, you know, one of my favorite characters. It's a very small part, but it's such a good part, such a well-written character. And I can't wait to see how, how she does it. So this has been... A uh, a big week for me already, and we're uh, we're we're leaning into a really big month. That's just got me super excited. Yeah, well, so uh, let's jump right into it. So that being said, hello and welcome to the Neverhood of a Podcast. I'm your host Michael Fight, and I'm not trapped in here with you. You're trapped in here with me. Oh, we're reviewing The Watchmen. Is that, that's odd. I thought that would be more of a super pod hero cast. I love that oh, line when she says oh, it. But yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, Caleb, so, what are we doing today? And this oh, month? What is this month? Welcome back, friends and listeners and people who, I mean, if you're out there, if you if you just listen to us because you hate us, Welcome back to you as well. Yeah. Uh, we are celebrating a bunch of stuff this month. First of all, uh, it's fall, which means it's it's spooky season. And uh, specifically the month of October, uh, we are celebrating my 40th birthday this Yay. year. And uh, we're also in a rapid fire countdown now to episode 200 for the Never Heard of It podcast. Uh, this one being number 197. So we are yeah. so close. We are, we are running out. So we decided to get really special with it this month. And uh, we are doing what I am calling, uh, Nahoit Presents, a very mostly Huluween. Uh, 
where uh, I, I have carefully handpicked for you uh, four films that, uh, as of the, the selection at the, the end of September and, and in the beginning of October, uh, were available streaming on Hulu. Hopefully it stays that way. Uh, obviously, we'll, we'll try to update uh, on the fly if we need to. Uh, just to, to, to get that theme, I, I, there, we're, we're diving a little bit into spooky, a little bit into horror. We're not going full horror because that's just not who we are. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to be uh, exploring some really fun uh, ends of the spectrum here of movies that could have been good but weren't and movies that shouldn't have worked but are somehow amazing uh, and everywhere in between. Uh, and we're going to end it off with just an absolutely batshit movie that uh, is available streaming, not on Hulu, but actually over with uh, our friends at 2B TV. Uh, you know, we're, we're bringing it full circle back to where we started. Uh, and, you know, you got to remember your roots. So we're, we're, we're really, really excited for this, uh, this month of October. Uh, lots to celebrate, lots to do. And with that, we really should, uh, we should talk about today's movie, which you yes, know I should. wasn't going to get through a month without picking something Nicolas Cage. I'll uh, be honest, honestly, I am very proud of you that you only chose one. <laughs> I- <laughs> I had two as like, these are no brainers. I'm definitely going to do these and could easily have done more. Um, I, I made it a conscious effort to just do one, but it's a very, very important one because it's, uh, it's, it's actually Cage's uh, most recent work. If I'm not, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I think because uh, this is a brand new film. Yeah, well, I think it was actually... Oh, Pig, the, sorry. Pig, Pig is, is technically his, his yep. most recent work. That's um, out. But, yep. But, so, uh, Prisoners of the Ghostland, Willy's Wonderland, and Pig all were released in 2021. Uh, Prisoners of the Ghostland, I don't think we've really talked about much at all. No, Pig, yeah. we, we've both expressed how much we want to see. But Willy's Wonderland is one of those very, like, I would see little snippets, little teases of this, and like, this is going to be so bad. It's going to be so... And, like, of course we have to watch it. Uh, holy shit. Holy shit. So there's a bunch of things about this movie. So one, uh, when this movie was announced and it started having trailers, this was during... Uh, it was kind of happening, I believe, in 2019, um, and then kind of uh, hung around over um, uh, the... Yeah, so the release date uh, was uh, February of this year. Um, but I think it was actually uh, filmed way before this because I do remember hearing about this movie, I think, before COVID. But anyways, so this movie actually got a lot of uh, uh, a lot of criticism because there is a uh, an app, a video game called Five Nights at Freddy's, okay. which is the exact plot of this kind of the plot is um, a, you know, a Chuck E. Cheese type place. Uh, ends up, you know, becoming a crazy world because all of the animatronic monsters come to life and they start killing kids. And we find out that it's, you know, has to do with satanic and, and you know, magic rituals that put killers' bodies inside of these animatronic things, which, you know, is kind of along the lines of Chucky and, and uh, you know, Marionette yeah. and all those sort of stories as well. So it's not exactly a new story, but the idea of animatronic uh, in a kid's funhouse type thing coming to life is the exact plot of Five Nights at Freddy's and, you know, teenagers and people having to basically survive a night um, in, with them is the Five Nights at Freddy thing. So a lot of people were kind of like, what the fuck, dude? Now, mind you, there was another movie being made um, at this same time um, called uh, Banana Split, which is also very similar to different Banana Split, not the one that- I was uh, like, that wait came, a second. Yeah, not the one that I worked on, the different movie called Banana Split, that was called The Banana Splits, um, that also came out. And then there's another movie called The Hug, uh, which came out as well, which all is the same type of plots as this movie. Hmm. But the problem is none of them had Nick Cage. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I mean, that will tank your movie right before you even start. Honestly, you're right. not casting Nicholas Cage pass. pass. Um, it's, uh, I love that you brought up the, the idea of uh, five nights at Freddy's because Ellen immediately picked up on that. Um, because there was a time, um, couple years ago where someone in the, in the town where her parents live was harassing them by leaving very like threatening seeming like screenshots and stuff like that from that video game, like on their porch and then stealing their black lives matter sign. 
That is the weirdest was, thing in the world. It's a really weird way to to like harass someone. Like, yeah. it, like we literally had to like Google search to figure out what the the game was to, to like explain to them. Uh, and so Ellen saw that, and she's immediately like, "This is like that thing that the person kept leaving at my parents' house." I was like, "Oh yeah, the the pizza game." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like my kids starting to like get into it, and I remember my my ex wife had a son, and he was really into it. Um, so that's why I was familiar with it. And I remember hearing the discourse about this where people were like, yo, it's just a Five Nights at Freddy's ripoff. Because the other thing about that is, is that there is a Five Nights at Freddy's movie in production now. Like that is a movie is. that is going to come out and it has been in production for a while. It got stalled last year, but now it's kicked back up in production. So like that movie is going to come out and it's probably going to do better than this movie just because of timing and stuff like that. But will it be better? No. Hmm. no, no, I don't. I honestly don't think that's possible. I, you'd be hard pressed to convince me. So, I mean, spoiler: this movie was fucking great. Yes, <laughs> I had such a blast in this movie. So, the plot of this movie is. You know, uh, a loner guy ends up getting stranded in this small town um, and needs car repairs. In exchange for car repairs, basically, a guy was like, "Hey." I own this Chuck E. Cheese type thing, which is like a, uh, it's just like a kid's arcade place with animatronic uh, characters that sing, you know, songs while people eat pizza and play in a ball pit and stuff like that. Um, and basically they're like, hey man, like you don't have the cat, like he doesn't have cash on him. There's no internet, no way to credit or whatever. And they're like, I tell you what, you know, we're going to reopen this place called Willie's Wonderland, which is like this Chuck E. Cheese sort of place. And if you, you know, basically spend a night cleaning up the place, um, I will cover the cost of your repairs for you. And then you can, you know, get your car back and you can leave in the morning. But mm -hmm. you got to spend the whole night and you've got to clean the entire time. If you do that, we will fix your car and do this. So, so the movie, yeah. It is important to note that Tex, the uh, the owner, Tex McAdoo, Tex McAdoo, uh, the owner of uh, Willie's, uh, does you believe in uh, following labor regulations and says, make sure you take your breaks. Yes, and that whole scene happens. It's just great. So. Uh, the movie kicks right off the bat with uh, we see a a couple and they're, uh, you know, kind of going. They're like frantically running through, you know, uh, the Willy's Wonderland. And we see that they're being chased and it's like a husband and wife. And then they get caught and the husband gets, you know, dragged away. And, the you know, the woman's there and she's like, oh, my God. And then she leans down and she looks and there's a very young girl who is hiding. And she goes, oh, hi, it'll be okay. And then she ends up dying. Um, and then the movie kicks right off the bat and we are seen, uh, we are introduced to uh, Nick Cage's character. Mm -hmm. um, so here's where we're going to spoil, I guess not really spoil, but tell you one of the cool things. So if you have not watched the movie yet, this isn't really a spoiler, but it is a cool aspect of the movie. Nick yeah. Cage has zero lines the entire movie does not say one goddamn word. He like and, and vocalizes he's in the majority a little of the movie. bit. Yeah, yeah, he's like he is arguably like the main character. He is one hundred percent the main character. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like he'll grunt or like ah, after taking a drink or whatever, but like doesn't say a, a goddamn word the entire Never. time. And uh, it doesn't brilliant. have a name either. He's just referred to as the janitor. The janitor. It's, it's fucking brilliant. It works so well. Like you would, I mean, like that's the thing about Nick Cage is that like you put Nick Cage in your movie because the way he talks is very specific. The way mm -hmm. he says words, you know, that's like putting mm -hmm. Christopher Walken in a movie and not having him talk the whole fucking movie. It's weird, right? But it fucking works. Nick Cage <laughs> does so good without ever saying a word. The silent protagonist thing for him is great. It's is, great. It's all in his eyes, too, because his facial expression is mostly neutral the entire time, too. It even is. When the he's most, not even, like, miming or anything. The yeah. most batshit stuff is happening around him, and he's just like, yeah, do this, do this, and then just goes back to what he was doing. Like, it's, yeah, I don't, I don't, oh, man. It's I, just, just, I didn't think it was possible for me to love Nick Cage more than I do. 
And yet here we are. <laughs> and then here we fucking are. And then Willy's Wonderland came along. So the movie, after after that scene, the movie starts. We see Nick Cage driving down the road. He is um, driving in, you know, in very classic Nick Cage style. He has a very cool, souped up muscle car type thing. And, you know, he's he's tooling down the road. He's got his sunglasses on, his leather jacket. And he drives and we see that his, his tires pop. He gets out and he takes a look. All four of his tires have completely popped. Mm-hmm. And we see just further, you know, just in the road where he had just ran over, there is a spike strip, you know, like the ones that, that police use to like stop car chases and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he just kind of like, mm, and sees it. We see a, uh, a tow truck come by. And, you know, the tow truck's like, oh, yeah, um, you know, we're we're a small town. You know, people just kind of mostly drive through us half the time. He's like, oh, you know, just the other day, uh, you know, a bunch of kids, you know, a bunch of teens stole the the spike tri- strip out of the sheriff's trunk. And uh, looks like you found it, you know, thanks. Yeah. And so, you know, he tows his truck. Um, he gets him back to the mechanic place. And, you know, uh, and while he pulls up, we see the... Um, we see the sheriff of the town arresting uh, a, a young teen. Uh, I would say she's 18, 19. Uh, yeah. Maybe she's probably older than that. She might be early 20s at best, but she's a kid, I use yeah. in air quotes. You know, She, she is small town youth. Yes. And, you know, so she's being arrested and, you know, they, uh, Nick Cage and, and her, uh, lock eyes, her name is Liv. Um, and they sort of lock eyes and the sheriff is like, you know, shut the fuck up. Sheriff is this older woman and she's arresting Liv. She puts her in the car and, you know, uh, the, the mechanic guy's like, oh, hey, this is a stranger in town. And he found your rumble She's like, I can't deal with this right now. Just, you know, take care of it. And he's like, okay. So off they go to the mechanic's, uh, shop. You know, uh, Nick Cage is sort of standing there and the mechanic's like, oh, you know, hey, you know, your tires are, are blown out and, you know, there's this other thing that's wrong and, you know, all together it's going to be like a thousand dollars. And so Nick Cage pulls out his wallet, hands him uh, a card and he was like, oh, sorry, you know, we're kind of a small town. I don't take credit cards. We see Nick Cage look around. He sees an ATM. It says out of order. And he's like, oh, yeah, like we're too small a town. We don't have internet here, which, by the way, ATMs go over phone lines, not internet. So that's not mm-hmm. how that works. Um, and uh, he was like, you know, uh, only cash. And he was like, you know, and he was like, but I may have a solution for you. That's So first of all, oh, you said that I, I found the sheriff's uh, spike strips for her. Cool. The sheriff's department can pay for my repairs. Right, right. First right. of all. <laughs> right. Because that's First negligence on their part. Yeah. Second of all, like, obviously we, we know that there's a, a sinister plot behind it, but who the fuck would just have $1,000 in cash and just be like, oh, yeah, I'll just pay this, this repair guy in cash right, right now. Up front, too. He up demanded front, the yeah. money up front. Yep. Yeah. Like, yeah. No. That's like, no. That's you not can't, how this works. You, you can't run a business like that. Yeah. Um, since we're in the 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 very very mostly Halloween and we're getting a little bit spooky, I feel like I should point out that I'm getting some weird audio artifacting uh, from from us, kind of both of us. I get a little bit of an echo of myself, but from you, I hear a simultaneous but like lower octave. So it's like a Ooh. very yeah, very much like a spooky movie effect, and it's creeping me out, man. <laughs> I, you know, I've been getting I I get this uh, I keep getting this warning pop up saying that my system might be causing audio, but the catch yeah I just popped it up so on Twitch you can see, but the catch is nothing is different in my setup at all, so I don't know why that is happening. It's weird. But it is very weird. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to mess it's, around and figure that out. Uh, it's not. It's not even constant either. It's just like when I kind of like, just you know, it's really quiet, and then you just start talking. And just weird. God, weird. Yeah, it's the ghost in the machine. It really is. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, sheriff's department should be should be paying for the repair. But uh, she's too busy. Uh, sheriff actually uh, should worth mentioning. Paid by uh, Beth Grant, who is all over the place in just kind yeah. of everything. Uh, and like definitely the, the, you know, the, the type of actor that you would recognize, uh, even if you don't know off the top of your head, uh, where, uh, where, you know, her. 
Yeah. And uh, also, uh, Liv is played by Emily Tosta, uh, who was in uh, the Party of Five reboot. Um, she, oh, yeah. she was in the show Mayans uh, MC. With um, PJO. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, she was in uh, a couple of NCIS episodes, um, but that's about it. She, I mean, she's young. She's only 22. So, yeah. So she's definitely playing that uh, that younger character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then Tex uh, McAdoo is Rick Wrights, uh, who was in um, uh, The Loft. He was in, uh, he's going to be in the new Wonder Years uh, that is uh, just debuted. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, what else? He was also in The Resident with uh, Emily Tosta. Uh, he was, uh, he played a sheriff in the Steve McQueen, um, Finding Steve McQueen. Uh, movie he's been in a few things he's been around uh a few things here and there yeah and um the uh uh the other guy was in um eh, not much else yeah so i uh, love that there's there's a decent mix i mean you have your obvious star power with nicholas cage and then yeah you've got people like beth grant and uh rick wright so you probably know from around and then uh, most, I feel like most of the younger actors, they have kind of shorter uh, resumes right now and are starting, you know, kind of just starting out their career. And I think it's, uh, this is a hell of a way to do it. Yeah. I mean, starring in a Cage movie, no mm-hmm. matter how, no matter how Nick Cagey it is, is still, <laughs> that's still something to be like, dude, I was in a fucking Nick Cage movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so at this point, you know, the, the mechanic guy's like, look, I got a friend, like he'll help you out. So we get to the friend and the friend is Tex McAdoo, who owns this place called Willie's Wonderland. He explains the story about how, you know, Willie's Wonderland was, you know, it was the place to be and it was very popular. Um, but the story he, this is how he explains the story is that, you know, uh, everything was good, but then kids started climbing onto the animatronic people and falling off and hurting themselves. Lawsuits happened. The place sank. He picked it up for super cheap after it uh, basically went out of business. And now he's looking to reopen it, but he needs someone to clean it out. So he basically says to him, like, look, man, like you clean the place completely, you know, clean and, and organize it in the whole spiel. You do it all night. Uh, don't forget to take your breaks mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, I will pay for the cost of your um uh, of of your repairs, and he's Which, like, "I'll be back here in the morning with your car, bright and shiny." So here's the second half of my my issue with the the whole payment around this uh, car repair. Uh, and, you know, first, obviously, it, it shouldn't have been on him to have a thousand dollars cash to pay for it anyway. But second, that's a hell of a cleaning job if he's getting a thousand dollars for a single night. For yeah, for what eight eight hours of work? That's like, damn, dude. That's a that's a good paycheck. Yeah. Shit, yeah. Yeah. I mean that's good money, which is probably why he was he just did it, you know. Yes. So because we never get any other <laughs> indication we, we of why know. he did it. Right. There's so much there's so much room for speculation. Uh you know, later on you, you like at one point Ellen's like, oh, like his family was involved in this, or like you yeah, were trying to figure out why Nick Cage is involved. We never find out. He None. doesn't have any exposition. He, he doesn't. He just fucking show. It's just he stumbles upon it, and that's that. There's like three different versions of the story of like what happens, and we learn a little bit more each time uh, from different you know, townspersons' perspectives. But we never learn a thing, a goddamn thing about the janitor. I love it. Other so than he's good. just kind of like when he takes his breaks uh, with the. So when he first uh, he stops his car after you know popping all four tires. He pops the trunk and he cracks and slams a, a, a punch energy drink. Yeah. Uh, which the the tagline is some um, uh, some a fistful of caffeine for your kisser or something like that. Or <laughs> That's to what the kisser. it is. Yep. Fistful of caffeine to the kisser. I love um, it. So when he, whenever he takes his breaks, he like he has a timer that goes off on his watch, and it almost feels like they're they're trying to set up something where like. Like either it's, it's his spinach. Yeah, he's like it's it's his spinach or like it's actually it's not energy drink at all. It's actually like some sort of fuel or like you know maybe it's like something where like he has to take it on a certain time or we don't know we don't know like it could just yeah. be he's like he's very strict about the the timing of his breaks. He knows he knows the value of his time and he's not fucking around. Uh, he's there to, he's there to work, but when he's not working, he's not like he's he's on his break and. I love it. Um, and at, at one point, he discovers a, uh, a Willy's Wonderland pinball machine uh, in the kitchen slash back office, uh, yeah. which, like, how is anyone, like, you know, how's a business supposed to be successful if they got a pinball machine in the kitchen? That, you know, like, right. 
Like well, order he's just up, gonna play like, that all the time. <laughs> ding ding. ding. I, yeah, order up. Fuck it. I'm almost. I'm about to get the high score here. You're right. You know? So he he cleans that off and spends his breaks uh, playing the the pinball machine until he gets the. You know, he, he flips the scoreboard to in, like into the negatives. I think at one point. Yeah. Uh, and he's doing a dance, which is all like pure Nick Cage improv. Yeah. And you know he. Slams his energy drink and then uh, he finishes break and he goes back to work every time, like clockwork. Time. It's beautiful. Yep. It is beautiful. So, uh, you know, he goes in and and one of the other fun gags is uh, um, the very, you know, the last thing that Tax McAdoo says to him before he leaves him to his business. He was like, you know, all right, here you go. And he hands him a Willy's Wonderland t shirt. And he says, you're officially employed at Willie's Wonderland. And he's yes. like, have a good night. So Nick Cage, you know, looks at it. He puts the shirt on. And a fun ongoing gag is every time the shirt gets messed up or dirty, you see him go back and put another one on, <laughs> which I just which, think is so funny. It's a great shirt, too. The ringer style. The classic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Classic Chuck E. Cheese style shirt. Like, I just, you know, I wonder, like, ringers, I mean, they definitely are, like, still a thing. But I feel like they had, like, a real pop of... uh uh, of popularity in like late 90s early 2000s like bands were doing them like crazy brands oh, yeah. were doing them they just were a thing and now they just really aren't i feel like yeah which means that'll they'll come back again in 10 years because yeah. that's uh that's how that works so yeah your daughter will be wearing ringer t-shirts before you know it yeah she'll be like 18 being like dad this isn't a ringer tee and i'd be like who fuck, what the, okay, they'll fine. call it something totally different yeah right uh, it'll be like loop collar motherfucker yeah like, what does that what does that mean you guys you wouldn't rem- get it. You're I old. Need, I need you all to remember this episode because if in 10 years from now they are called loop collars, fucking Caleb called it. And that is, <laughs> it is very important to remember this. This is time one thing. It. One thing I've never been accused of is being in, in touch with the, you know, the, the youths of today. <laughs> <laughs> so if I nailed that, then cheers. You're welcome. So uh, right off the bat, you know, Nick Cage is there and uh, we see the Willy's Wonderland animatronics up on the stage and instantly, uh, you know, one of them starts kind of moving. It's it's Willy, the weasel, mm-hmm. starts moving and Nick Cage has a moment, you know, where he kind of like looks back at it and then, you know, he goes about his business and then it starts right off the bat. So the very first thing that happens is one of the ostriches or the ostrich mm-hmm. comes up to Nick Cage and they're face to face and it starts moving and it's like, I'm going to feast on your brains. And it goes to go after Nick Cage. And he just, without any emotion on his face, just beats the fuck out of this thing and tears and it apart. Rips out the spine. <laughs> yeah. Rips out the spine of it and then bags it up in a trash can in in a trash bag goes cleans off his face puts his uh, shirt on drinks his cola never reacts to it whatsoever and it's it's great i love uh, it like that was it i was like i love this movie as soon as that first thing happened and we're talking 15 20 minutes into the movie gives a whole new meaning to rip rip Ozzy the ostrich uh the, the brief but brilliant performance by uh, bj Geyer. oh yeah <laughs> So, uh, so that's the first instance of animatronic kind of going crazy. Nick Cage goes about his day, you know, goes about his night, continuing to clean again, is not phased by this whatsoever. Now, while this is happening, we get a jump, uh, out to the real world, uh, in which we, uh, see the girl that was being arrested beforehand. We meet Liv. Mm -hmm. So Liv was brought back to the sheriff's trailer or whatever and she ends up getting handcuffed to like the radiator and the sheriff's like you're gonna spend your night here like you know blah and she's like what the fuck you can't do this and she was like i love you too and they have this sort of like playful relationship like you get that they do this a lot but you're not entirely sure of the of the real relationship mm-hmm. um and uh, at this point Liv's friends come and rescue her uh from this so they you know they come in they they get her out and it's Liv and uh five of her other friends which we uh, we also get a chance to see how bumbling this group is. Like one of them, oh, yeah. um, I believe it's Chris. Uh, he, he's like, "Don't worry, Liv, I'll get you out of there." And he goes to like break down the door and like bounces off of it. And one of the other ones is like, "You dumbass!" And like walks up and just opens the door, like turns the knob and pulls it outward. Right. And he's like, "It was unlocked." 
Well, how was I supposed to know that? <laughs> Maybe try the door. Maybe tr- try the door. First. And then, meanwhile, they're searching all over the house for like anything and everything that, like that they could use to uh, pick the the lock on the handcuffs. And they're, they're arguing about it. Like, oh, find a screwdriver. Why do you need a screwdriver? Let's find the keys. And then uh, the the only other uh, girl in the group, Kathy, just walks over, pulls out a bobby pin, and picks the lock, and they're good to go. Yeah. Uh, which there is a really funny moment in that because uh, that same guy, Chris, is looking around in the kitchen and he opens the fridge and he closes it immediately. He's like, why? There's nothing in the fridge. Why would I look in the fridge? Mm-hmm. He's like, well, the <laughs> eggs have gone bad. There's that. <laughs> Very funny. Uh, so what we learn is that Liv and her friends were planning to burn down uh, Willie's Wonderland. So it now cuts to them and they're, they head over and she's like, no, we need to finish this. We're going to go do it. So she heads back. They're all there. They're pouring their gas cans all around the place and they are going to burn down Willie's Wonderland. And we still don't really get an indi- indication. Like we know that they know, but there's more going on and they kind of hint to that. Um, mm-hmm. So just before they're like, all right, we're going to do this. She's like, no, no, no. Like there's still a guy in there. Like we need to get him out. Like we can't just leave him in there to burn. She's like, I'm going to go up in and like tell him to get out. You guys stay out here and find a way, you know, find a way in, find a way for me to, to get out, you know, to rescue this guy basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she, at one point, like she knocks on a window and gets his attention. She's like, you got to get out of there. Like it, it's not safe. And he's just like, shrugs and goes back to work yeah you got to be kidding me yeah oh i mean that's the thing he doesn't even shrug he just looks at her sees it and then just turns and goes back to his business now at this point he's killed two animatronics because shortly after the ostrich he is attacked by the gorilla uh to which they have a full-on battle in the bathroom and he fucking curbs this curbs thompson on a fucking urinal oh man gus the gorilla yeah. Uh, played by Billy Busey, who was actually a, a stunt performer in uh, Boss Level. Hey, nice. There's a little, good, uh, little callback. Good job, uh, Billy, getting some work in. I feel like, I, from what I've seen so far, most of the actors who play the uh, the animatronics are stunt performers. That uh, makes sense. Which does make sense, because we don't ever like, see their faces, but they're doing a lot of crazy fight scenes. Yeah. Um, and they're they're mostly in stuff that you would know. I mean, this dude was in uh, Loki and Watchmen and Chuck and Into the Badlands and, like, just tons of shit, Doom Patrol. And you know, the, uh, the other guy... Uh, B.J. Geyer, who plays Ossie the Ostrich, and then the, the actors who play the, uh, the, the comedian and, and the comedian, the chameleon and the siren, they're, they're stunt actors too. So, like, really, really cool choice for that. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm just looking through them now. Um, uh, but pretty cool. So, yeah, so he's already beat the gorilla, he's already killed the ostrich. Um, and now he is uh, off, and this is where Liv comes in. So, Liv is walking through the air conditioning duct and. Uh, <laughs> Which is great. Have you ever seen an air duct that was big enough for someone to crawl through? No, they're all teeny tiny because it would be absurd if they were big. I mean, I have seen, I, that's not true. I have in like very large buildings, but not ones like that size. I have lived and worked in large industrial buildings. I currently live in a large industrial building. And if I adjust my camera like so, you can see that's yeah. my duct work. Uh, you wouldn't fit in that. I certainly no. wouldn't. I mean, Penelope uh, would be fine. But. Yeah, Penelope would be like, yeah, she'd be cozy, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It'd be a tight like, squeeze, but. That, that is kind of standard size ductwork for this type of building. And even when they are more, like, rectangular, it's still very narrow. Very, yeah. like, not very shallow and very, very narrow. And you not something you would be crawling through. And then you always, always see people just climbing around in the ductwork. And, like, that's hanging by, like, wires that are periodically anchored to the ceiling. That's not, like, sturdy. That's, it's not like the fucking Jeffrey's tube on the Enterprise. <laughs> like, it's not just a small that's a, corridor. That's a reference. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, uh, because that, that's, that is an appropriate way to show like crawling through tunnels and corridors and whatnot in a building, uh, air ducts, that ain't it. Like we need to get over this, this crawling through the air ducts thing. 
Uh, needless to say, uh, as she's crawling through, she's also being chased by uh, uh, the an alligator. Um, and uh, so, you know, obviously she she like bangs, you know, like, you know, kicks him and knocks his head in. And then she ends up falling through and being directly in front of Nick Cage. So now Liv and Nick Cage are now stuck inside of uh, Willy's Wonderland. And she's like, we got to get you out of here. Uh, so before we continue on with the movie, we're going to take a very quick break. Oh, um, shit, we haven't done that yet. We haven't done that yet. Yeah. I mean, this movie's so exciting. <laughs> so uh, first off, we want to say thank you very much for listening. We super appreciate it. Of course, yeah. if you have not hit that follow button yet, uh, please go ahead and do so uh, on your podcast player of choice. Um, and we're on all of them. If you're listening to us on one and you're like, oh, I wish these guys were on this other one, we're on that one. Go listen to us on that one. Uh, definitely check it out. Um, uh, you know, we, we want to, uh, we want you to stick around and, and get notified. So we drop new episodes every single Sunday with a trailer episode on Thursday. And as you guys probably heard at the beginning of this episode, we are almost to our 200th episode. So we are counting down. We have three it's episodes so left, three episodes left to hit 200. It's a very big deal for us. It's a, it's a cool milestone to hit. Um, uh, but yeah, so go ahead and hit that follow button. So you're notified every time new episodes drop. And of course, go ahead and follow us over on social media at the Nahoit podcast, the N H O I T podcast over on Twitter and Instagram. There are links down below. Mm. Of course, there are tons of different ways you guys can reach out to us. We have a website, the Nahoit.com. Uh, we also have a discord server, which is also linked down below. Uh, there's just a lot of different ways that you guys can reach out and, uh, virtually touch us. Um, which is uh, do that. Wink, wink. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we will finish up with Willie's Wonderland. Hello, I'm Casey Ryan. And I'm Colin Ryan. And we're here to tell you about the new podcast coming to the Night Shift Radio Network. It's something two white cishet dudes have never covered. Star Trek. But here's the twist. The omnipotent god is actually a malfunctioning robot? No, well, maybe. But the real twist is we roped our mom into it. That's me. Hi, Hi Mom. Mom. In the monthly podcast, we will cover all the Trek movies from the motion picture to beyond. Our lifelong love of Trek comes from being introduced to it by our mom at a very young age. But that's a story for the podcast. Look at you, Mom. You're a natural. That's why I'm the Admiral. So join us September 8th for our monthly podcast, Where No Mom Has Gone Before. Available on the Night Shift Radio Network, wherever in subspace you catch your podcasts. Now... Which one is the one with the whales? Four. Looking for something heroic in your life? Go check out our friends at the Superpod HeroCast. They're guys with beers talking about movies with capes. Every episode goes in depth with a different superhero movie. A classic of modern cinema? A certified stinker? It doesn't matter. If it's a superhero movie, they're going to talk about it. Start with a little bit of comedy. Add in some film analysis and finish it off with a heaping dose of geekery. You've got the Superpod Hero Cast. It doesn't matter if you're a casual fan or a 20th level nerd. Download their latest episode, grab a beverage, and enjoy the fun. The Superpod Hero Cast. Be heroic. Hello and welcome back. So wow. here we are. So Liv has busted into Willie's Wonderland. She's she's like, all right, janitor guy, like we need to go. And uh, he just pretty much ignores her and just keeps cleaning up the mess. So, which is mm -hmm. really great. I mentioned it before, but every time he kills one of the animatronic things, he neatly bags it up in a trash bag and brings it to the front door to drop off to eventually bring outside uh, <laughs> to put into the dumpster. Now, it is noted he is chained inside. The, the yeah. doors are chained, so he can't just get out. Tex padlocks the door with a chain on his way out the door. And there's the moment after he kills the first one and bags it up, he goes to take out the trash and like can't open the door. And he tries it a couple of times, but in true fashion for this character, doesn't have like a big freak out, doesn't pound on the door. He, he pushes on it a couple of times and then just kind of sighs and sets the bag to the side and keeps going back to work. <laughs> it's great. So good. Um, so, now that, you know, uh, every, again, everything is breaking loose. Liv is like, look, man, like these things are going to kill you. We need to get out of here, you know, blah, blah, blah. And just as she's saying that, 
another one comes out and she sees Nick Cage just fucking wreck this thing. Like just, he's literally just like fist fighting this giant animatronic thing and just punches it to death, tears it apart. And she is just like, Uh, (laughs) like eyes wide open staring at this like holy shit dude so incredible so incredible and at this moment uh her five friends from outside they end up falling in they end up like getting back up and going in and falling in and now they are stuck inside with her and she's like you idiots like why the fuck did you do this and now they're in the main room where all the other Willie's uh, animatronics are, and they're all sitting there. Um, and there's five of them there, but Liv is off um, with the janitor. And the other five are sitting in that main room. And just as they do that, uh, we hear a message uh, or a, a song start to come up. The Willie's band starts playing, <laughs> you know, about the five chickens, you know, four hens and two chickens. Uh, you know, and they're, you know, four roosters and two hens and, yeah. you know, it's singing its song. And then it's like, uh-oh, five chickens left. And just as the song finishes, a giant sword goes through one of the guys. He falls down dead. It's a knight with a sword. And, you know, it starts going after everyone. And in walks Nicolas Cage again, who just fucks this thing up, takes off the sword, cuts off his head. And then neatly begins to bag it up into a trash can and go and change his shirt. <laughs> I can't I can't remember if it's this moment or if it's very shortly after. There's a moment where like someone is in grave danger and like Nicolas Cage's character, the janitor, goes to get involved, and then his watch beeps and he looks down at the time and goes, cracks open a, a punch energy drink, plays some pinball, takes his whole ass break, <laughs> then goes back and rains holy hell on the, it's, the it's, a, it's shortly after this. So Chris is stuck and a chameleon type thing comes up and Liv jumps in and Liv and, and the janitor come in just as the chameleon is taught is like trying to be like, no, I'm not like the other ones. Mm-hmm. The chameleon ends up killing Chris, turning to face uh, Nick Cage and uh, the janitor yes, and Liv. That's right. He pulls out the knife and uh, just as that his thing beeps and he, he kind of looks at his watch and he looks up at the thing and he turns to Liv and he just hands her the knife and then he yes. turns around and heads up to a break and she's like, what the fuck? So it's, she starts fighting him, blah, blah, and she, you know, the whole time. And then finally he comes back and finishes the chameleon off. So incredible. And it's, it's right great. about this time that we get the the second bit of exposition about the the life and death cycle of Willie's Wonderland. Uh, and this one uh, is more informative than Tex McAdoo's bullshit version. Right. Uh, where we learned that the place was opened in 96 by this guy who came to be known as you know, one of the most... Uh, notorious and pro- prolific serial killers in the U.S., and he, you know, he hired together this band of like-minded, depraved killers, and they used this family funhouse place as a way to stalk and, and kill their their victims. You know, they had the like super family fun room or whatever. Uh, it was you know a special party room that they would select families for and bring them back and give them a cake and then kill them all. Uh, and like you do, like, like you, you do. do. And we learned that, you know, when they, um, when they were going to be caught, when like the, the police finally caught on to all the missing persons and the funky smells, uh, you know, they, the, uh, looks like maybe the feds showed up and they found that, uh, all of the, like all, I think it was eight of them, all eight of the, the killers had off to themselves in, of course it has to be a satanic ritual because, uh, which, uh, I feel like it, it's my moral obligation to remind you that the the uh, Satanism has nothing to do with this, and that people who like that's not to say that people don't do rituals like this because oddly they do, but it makes yeah. no sense because there is no Satan. Right. Right. The, the Church of Satan is is an atheist, uh, a non-theistic organization. The Church uh, of is, Satan is the think the. the like last bastion of like true fighting for religious freedom in this right, country, right? Right, a non-theistic, yeah, organization that is just like, no, God, God isn't real. Your God isn't real. Neither is Satan. We just think people should be free to practice their religion without you enforcing it upon them. <laughs> so it's it's this, of course, satanic ri- ritual, which then binds the the killer's souls to the animatronics and uh, let allows them to continue running amok, and so that the place got sold. Uh, it was shut down, and, and every time that you know someone tried to bulldoze it or like burn it down, they got killed off, and the 
the monsters were just running amok throughout the the town, killing people. Uh, we later learned through some additional exposition from the sheriff, uh, as they they had some uh, some backup called in from the the highway patrol, and he's like, "What? Why did? Why could you possibly need backup here?" And she's like, "Just watch that phone and pray it doesn't ring." Um, but she she eventually has to explain to him on the way to. Uh, the Wonderland to to save Liv, uh, that the town after uh, you know after the realizing what was happening that the all the deaths and disappearances and whatnot were the animatronics that were just escaping and killing people at will, they make a a, a bargain with Willie and his crew that uh, they'll leave the town alone as long as the town provides them. Uh, a, a sacrifice periodically. So we learned that this whole thing with the, the spike strips and the, the tow truck driver and Tex and the sheriff, they are all in on it. Uh, all just, you know, they periodically bring some unsuspecting victims, whether it be an individual or a family. They, they make a point to say, you know, we, we try to go for people who won't be missed sort of thing. Uh, there's also a great uh, just kind of passing shot of a, uh, um, a missing persons board that we, we see at one point early in the episode. So you yeah. can, you know, a lot of people are, are going missing and dying in this town. Uh, so yeah, we learned that the whole thing is, is part of this, this devil's deal with Willie and the janitor was supposed to just be the next victim, but yeah. things aren't quite going according to plan. It is not going well for the animatronic for Willie's wonderland. <laughs> um, and, and a bit of the other information we do learn is that, uh, so we referenced in the beginning of this show and what we see in the beginning of the movie is that there was a little girl in the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. And we learned that that little girl was actually rescued by the sheriff and raised by the sheriff as like a daughter uh, of yeah. sorts. But she knows, so Liv knows about this whole scenario, the whole town and all this. And she knows that, her adoptive mother, the sheriff, uh, um, of what she's doing to people. And she's like, no, I'm going to burn this down. Like, I am not going to let people, I'm not going to just let these people get murdered. Like, that's not, you know, that's not what we're like. She says like, we're ending this now. Mm -hmm. Um, so Liv is, is there to do that. Now, uh, at one point, one of the kids calls, uh, the sheriff, through the red phone and was like, Sheriff, I'm at Willie's Wonderland, like blah, 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 like you got to get it. And she just hangs up on him. And the guy was like, what was that? And she's like, prank call. And the kid calls back and she picks it up and he's like, she's like, look, like that's your fault. And he's like, Liv is here. And she's like, God damn it. And so she hangs up <laughs> the phone. So she's like, you know, put your balls on. Let's go. <laughs> she says to the guy, which is just a great fucking thing. So off they go, off to Willy's Wonderland, and that's where we hear this exposition. The, the sheriff recants the story to the, the, to the other uh, officer that is brought in on this. I just love, on the ride out there, she asks him something like, you ever use your sidearm? And he's like, in target practice, but like, I mean, these are teenagers. I don't think we'll have to off anyone. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But, I, I feel like he's a very underutilized uh, bit of comic relief in this movie because uh, he's just so like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> what is good? Yeah, it was very funny. Um, you know, the, the sheriff gets there and they, they see the janitor's uh, handiwork and she's like, God damn it, you're ruining everything. Like you were supposed to just die. And um, you know, they they cuff the, the janitor and she's like, we're just going to leave him here so he can, you know, Willie, like, this man's actions don't represent us. We're sorry. Like he, like here you go. Here's here's your your victim. We'll we'll take care of it. We'll make it right. And that's where Liv, who has seen the janitor in action, is like, you don't understand. You're not leaving him trapped in here with them. They're trapped in here with him. <laughs> <laughs> he just, just doesn't. He's on his knees with his hands cuffed behind his back and just not reacting at all. Yeah. And uh, the sheriff makes the the highway patrolman take Liv uh, away from there, and uh, promptly gets her own answer. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so Liv and the highwayman go off. He's driving her. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Choking. Oh, I'm okay. I'm all right. <laughs> so, so live in the highway guy, they're they're driving off, right? And she's saying, like, 
like, why are you doing this? Like, you know, you're, you're leaving these people to die. Like, why would you do that? And he's like, no, like, blah, blah, blah. I'm saving you. And she's like, yes, but you're complicit in this murder, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And just as they say that, uh, Tito, the, the tiger, Tito, the turtle tortoise, he's like a tortoise or something. Tito, the tortoise is on the hood of the car. You know, they stop, uh, it pulls out, you know, the, the highwayman just gets torn apart. Uh, the uh, Liv tries to shoot the turtle, but the turtle has stolen the bullets of the gun. <laughs> the turtle's she, speaking Spanish the whole time. Too. The whole time. And uh, so eventually she just jumps in the car and hauls ass back off to Willy's Wonderland, leaving the turtle in the street. She um, does beat the shit out of him with uh, with the shotgun. With the shotgun, right? yeah. Because she, she doesn't she have the, the shells to, to, yep. to shoot him. So she just beats the shit out of him to the point where he's like, por favor, no mas. Yeah. <laughs> she just lays him in the street. And then, uh, so she hops back in the car. She starts hauling back to Willy's Wonderland. Now, meanwhile, uh, all of the other kids are dead. The sheriff is now dead. And uh, the sheriff takes just one big swipe from Willy's paw, and it just rips her entire torso off her legs. Oh, yeah, just splits her in two. (laughs) You just suddenly see, like, one minute she's there, the next moment she's legs Yep, and it just blood. and the blood just splatters all over uh, the janitor's face. It's so amazing. At this point, the janitor now is being attacked by uh, two of the female animatronics. One is like a ballerina type girl, and uh, uh, that would be uh, Sally Siren. Yep, uh, Siren Sarah. Siren and, Sarah and and uh, I have it. I have it. Cammy the Chameleon and Cammy the Chameleon. So now the two of them are going after Willie. Now, mind you, he is tied up at this point. Like his 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 hands are zip tied behind his back. Mm-hmm. Um. So here, so they start fighting, and he just fucks them up, uh, and he ends up <laughs> sitting on Siren Sarah and like basically crushing her skull with his legs. He's like. <laughs> snaps her neck with his thighs or something yeah and And then then rips the binding on his hands and just goes nuts on camera he just beats the shit out of her rips her head right out of her thing (laughs) and drops it on and then neatly bags them up into their bags and brings them to the front of the thing again no emotion whatsoever he just fucking does it and he's doing a really good job of cleaning this building too like he's (laughs) very thorough and then like you know like you know he'll get attacked it'll make a huge mess he goes back and he cleans that up and then he resumes and like he like you see him tackling different rooms he does the bathroom just before the fight with gus he does you know towards the end there he gets the whole like dining area like just spotless and the chairs uh, stacked neatly and everything and that's when willie attacks but it's just it's so like subtly brilliant and beautiful to see how how much pride the janitor takes in his work. He's, and he does really good. Um, so at this point, now it's the, the big moment. Uh, he has his big fight with um, uh, with Willie. So mm-hmm. Willie slashes the janitor up a bit. Um, you know, really really does a number on him and throws him into the ball pit. And uh, just as Willie is walking away after, you know, he's he thinks that uh, the janitor is dead inside the ball pit. He jumps out of the ball pit. He goes into his little break area. He bags up all of the rest of his uh, his uh, punch uh, soda and he tapes two sticks together. He comes out and just fucking goes to town on Willie. Oh I mean, God. just it's mercifully, brutal. brutally beats the shit out of Willie rips it rips his head off too you know after smashing him to death with the with the bag the knapsack full of soda cans and the other stick and so now all the animatronics are dead he then walks outside you know bags him up walks outside throws him in the thing and just as this is happening uh tex mcadoo and the uh, mechanic roll up they they roll up in the car they've fixed the car and Mm -hmm. come back in the morning with it and he's like look i cleaned up the car for you and he's talking to uh the mechanic or the mechanic is talking to tex like here's this car here yeah enjoy add it to your collection he's like oh i will and so he's like all right well like you're gonna help me go in there and you know get this guy out of here and he's like, I'm not going in there. He's like, ah, fine. So Tex McAdoo walks up. He sees that the chains have been broken. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, hmm. 
And he looks in and he goes, well, I'll be goddamned. And the place is immaculate. He yep. is perfectly cleaned, set up, like ready to go. And he opens the doors and out walks Nicolas Cage. And he, you know, he dumps the things in the trash and he just stares at him and he holds out his hand. And the guy tosses him his keys and he's like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> and there's this great moment where like... Tex and the, the, the mechanic both have this big sigh of relief. They're like, oh, my God, it's over finally. And you know, Tex is like, you know, now that that's, now that that's done, I might, I might actually reopen the place. And they're joking about having like a mechanical bull and all this stuff like that. And we see uh, Siren Sarah, who apparently wasn't quite dead yet, uh, pop up behind them. And they see her just in time for her to make a a uh, some sort of pun joke and basically make a Molotov cocktail out of their gas tank and blow uh, herself and the two of them up. Yep. <laughs> Which is great. And just before this happens, Liv does roll up at this moment and she's like, oh my God, you survived. Like blah, blah, blah. And he just stares at her for a minute. He kind of looks down at the ground, looks back up at her and he gets in the car and she just walks and gets in the other side and off they drive. And... Uh, at into the sunset straight through tito the turtle yeah uh, who is standing in the middle of the road like ominously as they they approach they they don't even slow down just straight through and then there's the moment in the end where he uh picks up a soda can he pops the top and he goes to drink it and he waits for a second and then he just hands it to her and she quietly takes it and takes a sip and so ends our movie so um I mentioned before that there there's implications of like who and what uh, the janitor might actually be that they never touch on, and I'm I'm fine with it. Yeah. Um, but uh, there there's one little goof that I noticed where like in one of the early sequences you see him with like a bandaid or something like that on his shin, and then he doesn't have it, and then he puts a piece of duct tape over a cut that he gets in one of the fights. I think that might be just a continuity error. Um, but you know, the use of duct tape there is kind of funny. But then he later like duct tapes his entire torso and it's like, is this for protection? Because he knows that he's going to be in fights and like he's trying to save himself from being like slashed and cut. Uh, or did he get cut and he's using duct tape to bind the wounds? Is, is the janitor an animatronic? <laughs> oh, oh, that's so, actually pretty funny. Ellen's theory about halfway through was like, oh, his family was killed by the... Uh, by, you know, by the child killers, and so he's coming back for revenge. There's no hint of that at all. No, uh, no. In fact, the only indication, the only that storyline is the one with Liv. Liv ends up being a mm-hmm. child who survived Willy's Wonderland and coming back for revenge. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I have no idea who the janitor is, what the janitor is, why the janitor is, but the, I know that the janitor is uh, probably my favorite character of any movie I saw come out in 2021. A hundred percent. So uh, one of the reviews or I think an article I read brought up a really interesting point that that it could also be that um, the janitor doesn't necessarily have a backstory, but the reason why he's a silent protagonist is that he might be a nonverbal autistic. So he came in and that's why like the he had to take his break at the exact time. That would make Distraction with that. And then he goes and, you know, does the thing. Um, And if you look at it from that lens... That's actually really cool. That's like a yes. really cool like representation thing. I and mean, they don't ever bring it up because obviously who's going to bring it up? Yeah. Because he can't. And there's no and like nobody knows him to give person. the exposition. Yeah. They would yeah. have to have filmed like some exposition scene of people talking about him like totally separate and unrelated. And like as we got into last week, that would have just been one of those things like you don't, you don't need it. You, you don't, don't need, need it. it. Yeah. Oh, uh, so I like the idea of him just being this nonverbal autistic loner dude who's just, you know, roaming around the countryside, happens to stumble across this thing, and is just like, you told me to clean the place. Like, I don't understand. You said yes. to clean the place. So, like, what did I do wrong? I don't get it. You know? <laughs> I like I like that thought. I think that's yeah. such an interesting theory. He's um, so literal about it. Like, ever, yeah. anyone else would be like, I mean, I guess. And, he's and just like, the whole take the break things, and he did. Yeah. On, he was like, you told me to take breaks at this exact time. So I followed the instructions <laughs> exactly as you told me to. I have my drink. I have my pinball game. There's yeah. that. I, I um, could totally see it. I think that's really cool. 
I also like so there's uh, in the the trivia for this there's a, a mention that somebody makes about you know this is Cage's uh, I got it right in front of me ninth horror film which cool like yeah that that's interesting uh, more interesting to me is that this is uh, Nicholas Cage's probably three hundredth film where he drives a fast car <laughs> yeah right like that's that's more yeah speaking of interesting facts like that I've got one for you yeah yeah yeah. Have you seen a lot of Samuel L. Jackson movies? I wouldn't say a lot, but a, a decent number. Yeah, re- probably more than 10, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, probably more than 15? Probably. Probably close to 20. Yeah, I don't know, maybe. Name a movie in which Samuel L. Jackson kisses a woman. Couldn't tell you a single one. Five times in his entire movie career is he seen on film kissing a movie. Five. He has 180 credits. Isn't that really interesting? What an he's, interesting fact. He's not really the romantic lead type, and I like that. I don't. I like that that they're not trying to shoehorn him into roles like that. And right. I also, uh, I like to think that he reads a script and sees a, a romance, and he's like, "I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense for my character. This motherfucker don't need to be doing this shit." <laughs> I love it. I like, love Samuel Jackson. Marvel probably tried to throw in a uh, like a throwaway scene where like, like him and Hill are gonna yeah, and then like Maria tries to kiss him in the the heat of danger, and he's like, "That's stupid. I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> I'm not doing that shit. Great. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. So uh, should you watch Willy's Wonderland? Yes, <laughs> immediately. Like, Absolutely. At your earliest convenience, turn this movie on and watch it. You will not regret it. It is fucking phenomenal. I, you, I would even verge to say it's basically a perfect film. If you did what we did and waited until now to watch it, you're already wrong. You've already fucked up. <laughs> let me tell you right now. Uh, this movie was just so fun. Um, so content warning, there's a little bit of swearing. There is gore. Um, there is a sex scene that happens, uh, but there is no nudity in the sex scene, but you do mm-hmm. see them still having sex. Like she, the woman is, you see her bouncing on the thing. So, um, yeah. but other than that, there is no, there is no actual nudity, but it is a full on sex scene. Um, yeah. and there is a lot of blood and violence, but, uh, so it's much. great. It is great. Uh, I, I can't, uh, I can't recommend this movie high more highly. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. So that being said, thank you very much guys for joining us for this episode. We super appreciate it for our, uh, our great, the Nahoit presents and, uh, what is it? The Nahoit presents, a very mostly Huluween. Very mostly Huluween. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks a lot for joining us, everyone, and we will see you next time. Goodbye. father's tragic past, hidden in the adventures of a cartoon mouse. A cautionary tale on the dangers of temporal tourism. A woman searching for answers after the death of an old friend. This is the Storyteller series, a Night Shift Radio original. Every month we bring a new short story to life in a full cast audio drama. We publish a second exclusive story to our online print edition, and we give you a glimpse behind the pages with our author interview series. Subscribe to the Storyteller series wherever you listen to podcasts and visit nightshiftradio.com for more information. Mm-hmm.